Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. You are listening to the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number 54. Is your license at risk? Hello and welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and Clinician Business Institute. This podcast is dedicating to helping you, the nurse practitioner, to start, grow, and succeed in business. And since 2007, we've been providing education, resources, and support about the business of being a nurse practitioner. To learn more, please visit us at npbusiness.org. In today's episode, I'm going to share with you the stories that I hear a little too often from nurse practitioners, as well as my story. I know I've talked about this in the past a little bit here and there, but I don't think I've shared the bulk of the story before. Now, what we're going to talk about, I'm sure happens to other healthcare providers. And I'm sure that there are some out there that are even not even aware of this problem. And I know that several years ago, I wasn't either. In fact, I was pretty naive. So I want to start with doing a disclaimer up front. I am not an attorney, nor do I play one on TV, at conferences, or in this podcast. I don't even have a legal bone in my body, but I do like to stay on the right side of the law. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So just what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about what happens when you find yourself in a job and your employer is just not, mm, let's say, following the rules. How do you protect your license, your reputation, and your integrity? In most cases, the NPs that I've heard from often leave their jobs, and that certainly was my case. But the problems don't necessarily stop there. So today, let's talk about just what are these stories. And I'm sure in these stories, you'll hear some of the red flags. But let's also talk about how you can protect yourself. Ready? Let's dive in. Now, this is not the podcast that I had intended to release this week, but when this came up yet again, I thought it was just too important not to share. 
And certainly, I've spoken about this before, as I mentioned, about how we as nurse practitioners can find ourselves with our licenses potentially at risk and sometimes not even be aware of why and what's going on. So a few days ago, I had a conversation with a new NPBO member, and she had just quit her job because her employer was insisting that she prescribe non-FDA approved medications and changing her charts, even after she had done them. She realized very quickly that staying there would put her license and her reputation at risk. Another NP shared with me after she had left her practice that controlled substances were being prescribed under her license and under her DEA number in her prior practice. Others have shared with me how their records are changed, claims are made in their name for visits that either were not done or those visits were upcoded. Multiple NPs have shared with me how they've been approached by companies that want them to order expensive testing on patients that are not necessarily their own, or if they are, they want to try to persuade them on how to order them more often than is medically necessary. And then there's my story, which I'll try to keep short here. But in my very last employed job, when I was still quite naive about what people can do, I worked for a physician in a small rural town. The job was flexible, it was part-time, and it was close to home. And it was ideal for me as I was traveling frequently between states to care for my mother who had been ill. I was there for slightly less than three months total. After a month or so, the office manager, and it was actually the physician's mother, that should have been a red flag, came to me one evening when I was finishing my charts and asked me to sign the billing forms, you know, the old um, paper HICFA 1500 forms. Now they're called CMS 1500s because she was still billing paper charts instead of electronic charts. And so I took a look at them because nobody had ever asked me to sign these and I had no idea why she needed a signature, even though there was a slot for it and there still is a slot on those papers. But I looked at them and I noticed that every single one of these were coded at a 99214. And so that should really be a more complex visit. Several of these charts did not warrant that level of code And some of them didn't warrant any level of code because I had not seen those patients. Now, in this practice, up until now, I had been refusing to prescribe controlled substances that weren't warranted. I was insisting on further documentation for patients and evaluation of patients and and follow-ups that weren't done all sorts of things. And she and I had previously butt heads because I was insisting that she was having the CNAs practice out of their scope. And I was unwilling to put myself at risk because of that, since I was supposed to be supervising these CNAs. So I wasn't very compliant with all the things that they wanted me to do. And I really began to realize, particularly that evening, that there were several problems within the practice, and I had decided I needed to leave. 
And I did leave within a few months. Like I said, it was there a total of uh, three months. And when I left, I started my practice. And it was only after I opened my doors for a few months that I learned the true extent of what was going on. One morning during that first week that I was open, I was there, of course, before my first patient. There were three men standing there with badges, one from the FBI, the inspector general, and one from the DEA. All of them wanted to talk to me. As you can imagine, I was in near panic. I didn't know what this about. I didn't know if I had done something or, or what was going on, but I did the only thing that I could do in that situation. I smiled. I invited them into the back office with me to have a cup of coffee. So what I learned was the practice that I had been at had been under investigation for some time, and they had been watching me as well. In fact, I found out that some of my patients were actually undercover agents. Fortunately, they determined I wasn't breaking any rules and I was trying to follow the rules. But now they needed to let me know that they might need more information from me. They might need um, access to some of my patients who had been at that practice and followed me. And they let me know that I would be subpoenaed to court to testify once the charges were filed and everything went to court. And of course, a while later, that indeed did happen. And the upshot of that is that physician and his mother slash office manager spent many years in jail. In fact, to my knowledge, that physician is still in jail. What were the charges? Well, false claims, which I'll talk a little bit more about, tax evasion, and excessive prescriptions of narcotics. So what can you do to protect yourself if you find yourself in any of the situations, and I'm sure many others, that you might find yourself in unwittingly? Of course, I mean, we don't go into these things knowing that this is going to happen. Well, the first thing I would suggest is you listen to yourself. As nurse practitioners, we're experienced enough to know to be aware of our gut feelings and when something feels like it's not quite right. Pay attention to that unsettled feeling. Take a look at it. Be objective. You may not want to believe what's happening, as certainly I didn't, and sometimes nothing is happening, but other times it is happening, and you need to be aware of that. You know, if somebody makes you a job, or other kind of offer, or presents you with an opportunity that is too good to be true, it might just be that. We have a responsibility to our patients and to ourselves and to our families to protect our licenses, our livelihood. And we shouldn't let anyone or any job put our license at risk. Almost more importantly than that is do not let anyone, any job, destroy your professional reputation. And as you'll hear, that certainly happened to me. So in my case, the reason I started this practice when I did was because my reputation had been sullied. I couldn't get a job. Nobody would even touch me with a 10-foot pole. And all of this because I worked for three months 
with this practice. And this is despite the fact that I had been in that community for years prior to this. I had an excellent reputation. So all it takes is one mistake. And even though you weren't the one doing all of this, you could find yourself at risk. So I've got some ideas about what you can do when you're working for somebody else. You want to have some safeguards in place. So number one, your login passwords to the EMR, to the prescribing platforms, they should be yours and yours alone. As always, I suggest using a password manager because you can get some really uh, complex passwords and you don't have to remember them. They're strong and they're very difficult to break. And you can change them on a regular basis. Make sure that all your charts are locked as soon as you complete them and especially before you leave a practice for good. Now, in my case, in this situation here, the office did not want to pay for multiple providers. So they had everybody using this physician's login. And I was very, very uncomfortable with it. And I was constantly rebelling against this whole idea. So I always made sure that when my charts were done, they were signed by me as the provider, and I locked them so they couldn't be changed. So that was one of the things that I did, which was a good thing in my case. But the fact that they weren't giving us logins should have told me that this was not a good place to be. So when we leave a practice, we need to be aware that prior employers will still need to bill for the patients that we're seeing up into our last days, and they may need to access those records. We all know that there are insurance companies that want to see records after the fact, but the records need to be locked so that nobody can alter your records. One of the things that I did, especially after I was informed about the extent of what was going on by the DEA, I notified all the pharmacies I could think of, all the local ones, all the ones that were further off into town, and even some online pharmacies that you're no longer associated with the practice. And the last day that you were there and that you might have had prescriptions authorized or signed by you. So making sure that you are protected in that manner. You might even consider notifying the DEA to see if they can remove the practice location from your DEA license or even place it on hold or inactive for a while. Since a DEA license is tied to an address, they may be willing to take action, and especially since there's such a problem. And I would do this even if you didn't pay for that DEA license. And on that note, I would also say, do not share your DEA license number randomly. I had once worked in a clinic and they wanted our professional licenses displayed for the public. And this is for everybody that worked in that clinic. They also wanted our DEA licenses displayed as well. And of course, as you can imagine, we rebelled against that. So Sometimes you have to do a lot of education about why something is not a good idea. I would also notify payers of the different insurance companies of the last days that you saw a practice. Again, remember those 
bills may still go through with your NPI number because you actually did see the patient, but that date of service should not be beyond the last days that you worked. I would also highly recommend that you have your own liability insurance. Because here's the deal. When an employer purchases insurance for you, what it's doing is basically covering the practice against you. So I didn't realize this until I had my own practice. In in hiring somebody, I had to provide this insurance. And I found out from my carrier that this was why. I'm actually the one that would control the account and dictate how a claim might be handled, of course, with legal advice, but it would not necessarily be in the best interests of the clinician, whether it be a nurse or another nurse practitioner. So that's why you, as a provider, need to have your own plan in your own name that you have actual control over. And if your employer is willing to provide that, that's great. But if it's just a plan that's going to name you and they still control everything, I would really think about getting your own plan. Now, not everybody wants to utilize their liability insurance because anytime that you ask a question or try to get legal advice, it can potentially open a claim. You can get dinged. And of course, that can reflect on your rates. That said, it just might be in your best interest in these particular cases to have at least some legal consult, even if you're innocent. And sometimes we think when we're innocent that we don't need that, but it doesn't matter. You are still going to be brought up in some kind of way. So you do want that consultation. Always, always, always keep your options open. Maybe you want to start a practice, maybe you don't. But if perhaps you do, you certainly don't want a non-compete clause in any kind of a contract that you have. In my case, I didn't even have a contract. I didn't have a non-compete clause. And that was a good thing. And because my new practice was less than a mile away from my old practice. So make sure that your bases are covered because that would have been a real problem for me. You just don't need the hassle of that non-compete clause, especially if you have to ditch that practice quickly. And if necessary, do not be afraid to report irregularities that you may be seeing in the practice that you're in. So when I realized that these claims that I was being asked to sign were false claims and being submitted in my name with my NPI number, I did file a complaint. Each and every payer has a complaint line, and you can even call in anonymously if you choose. In my case, when I did this, I certainly didn't realize the clinic was already under investigation. So when I contacted the payers involved, they already knew what was going on. But still, I wanted to protect my reputation, my numbers, and I didn't want it to seem as if I knew something about this and went along with it. I think it's really important for all of us to be more aware of the more common ways that healthcare fraud is being committed and how 
we as providers are being involved with that. So you can always check the Office of Inspector General, the OIG's list of what they're watching, what they're investigating, what is on their radar. And I'll have a link to that in our show notes at npbusiness.org forward slash license at risk. I believe that most State boards, both nursing and medicine, also report public disciplinary actions that are being considered or things that have been actually carried out against providers because our license anyway is public and anybody can see whether our license is active or inactive or if there's action being taken against it. But those little alerts or listings may shed some light to you on some various ways that fraud is being perpetuated in your community and what providers are doing. Because I'll, I'll tell you, I was totally blown away at some of the stuff that I see. I am really, really grateful that these situations are not more common than they are. They're far too common as they are now, but I'm just glad it's not as common as it might seem to be sometimes. We need to be aware of them and we need to learn to protect ourselves. And while I'd like to believe that all healthcare providers would never ever allow this sort of thing in their practice, regardless if they're employed or self-employed, I have to remember that, you know, we're people too. And some of us operate in a less than ethical and legal manner. I'm sure these few stories that I've shared with you here today are just scratching the surface of some of the problems that our colleagues have found themselves in. And I'm sure that many of you have your own stories to share, or you know of colleagues that have found themselves in a less than ideal situation. It's also possible that you even know colleagues who have ended up with a license that has been suspended or revoked for a situation that maybe wasn't their doing to begin with, but then they went along with it, whatever the case may be. It's just not as isolated as we would all like to believe. So I invite you to come over to the blog at npbusiness.org forward slash license at risk and leave your comments, share your stories. Do so anonymously if you need to, but let's make sure that all of us are aware of the different problems that can occur. If we are aware of them, we can perhaps avoid them or at least become more aware and begin to think through some of the things that we need to do during and after that kind of a situation. You know, there are many reasons why NPs start their own practices. And while I support that, being put in a situation where you're forced to act quickly is less than ideal. This was the situation of the NP that I spoke to recently, and it was my situation as well. Not the best place to be in. Fortunately, it worked out okay for me. But that situation and the circumstances around that may not necessarily be yours. But if you've been thinking about it and you're really serious about finally getting started in practice, I invite you to explore our upcoming workshop, The Essentials of Starting a Practice. 
It's coming to you virtually live in April. You're going to find all of our details over at, at npbusiness.org forward slash workshops. And if you're listening to this podcast after April, join the list anyway, and we'll keep you posted about future workshops. Again, that's at npbusiness.org forward slash workshops. I really appreciate you taking the time today to listen to this podcast. And if you have found this episode helpful, and I certainly hope you have, I'd appreciate it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review, and share this podcast with your colleagues. It helps us all get the information that we need on the business of being a nurse practitioner. So that's a wrap for this episode. I'm Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now.